Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much that we can get into your word this morning. And I pray, I pray for every single individual, those here present, those that are watching us online. And we, God, all of us here are opening our hearts to you. And we thank you so much, Holy Spirit, for what you are already doing in this service, what you're already speaking to us and what, uh, what you're doing within us. And we just open up our hearts to you. We desire that your word would speak to us this morning, that we would leave here, leave here, God, with, uh, leave here being strengthened in our faith, having received a word from you, God. We thank you so much. We thank you so much, God, for what you have. We thank you so much, Lord, for what you're doing in this season of each of our lives, our families. And we thank you, Lord, so much for what you have for us right now. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, uh, at the beginning of this year, um, I was always kind of jealous, you know, people start their year and you always hear this kind of testimony, you know, this is the scripture of the year or this is the verse I'm standing on. And I I never have a particular verse maybe that I stand on for a year. I feel like there's always a number of verses or different things that uh, God would speak to me or show me throughout throughout the year. But at the beginning of this year, I did take some time to pray, to get away. And um, someone might ask, well, how did you, you know, how did you get this, this verse or this word? It's actually, I'm, I'm not going to over-spiritualize this like an angel showed up to my room. I'd be awesome. Or a great light shined and I heard a voice like thunder and I fell to my face through the floor. You know, that'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. And I'm not, I'm not making fun at all. But how I actually uh, received this scripture was I, I was praying in, a, in someone's home uh, who I was visiting, and I was taking some time there just to kind of get away and pray. And as I'm there, and I'm in their living room, and we're praying that morning, and this verse was on the wall, and I got a word. You have no idea the, the, the power of having verses on your walls. I had some, and maybe this is extreme, but just strong people of faith. We were remodeling my house, and they started writing verses all over the floor before putting the hardwood down, just everywhere, putting verses down. But I was, I was in this room, and I saw this verse, and this verse said, For I know the plans I have for you, Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. There are plans for good and not for a disaster to give you a future and a hope. Now, you would say this is a great verse to have now. But in January, when I read this verse and just began to stand on it, uh, January started normal. Remember, remember the old normal? Um, I just want to remind you, the old normal, no masks, no social distancing, and going to stores without people harassing you. Um, poor guy, I was at Chipotle this, just this last week, and I saw a guy get kick, kicked out of Chipotle because he didn't have a mask on. Guy just wanted to grab some lunch, give him a break. Um, But at the beginning of this year, I got this verse, and it's a great verse, but I really saw how much I needed this verse for myself as this year started. Now, what's crazy is in this verse, if we go to verse 10, it says, this is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again. For... Verse 11, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. 
If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me, and I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you, and I will bring you home again to your own land. I want to preach this morning. Uh, he gave me a future. I'll tell your neighbor, he gave me, not you, he gave me a future. Are you here? He gave me a future. Now, I really want you to, I always say this, I really want you to think about this. God here in Jeremiah, through Jeremiah, is saying a prophetic word to his people. Now, God has plans for us, and those plans are good. And God has a future for us, and that future is good. And God has hope that he's given to us, and that hope is good. But there are people that walk into the future God has, and there are people that don't walk into the future that God has. Are you here? Just because God has a future, and just because God has a hope, there are also things, or I should say prerequisites, for me to walk into that future, for me to walk into that hope. Are you here? Now what's crazy is God speaks this word, but this word comes to pass only after a young man named Daniel and others that knew that there was a time that was coming and that time had come in their lifetime that God was going to take them out of Babylon and bring them back into their own land. And they began to pray. And I begin to think, I begin to think that this year maybe someone here, and I, I found myself in this place at times, someone here where you are brought to a dead end, you are brought to a place where you don't know what's next, you don't know what to do, and you begin to believe out of fear that this is it, it's over. But God says that you have a future. And what's interesting is for me to step into that future, there are things that God, like avenues that God has offered to us that we don't just talk about the future God has, we don't just dream about the future God has, but we step into the future that God has for us. It's almost like an awareness of the season that we're in, of the time that we're in. There was a time in Israel, God says in, 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 in the Old Testament, there was a grace to pray. I think we've, we've, we've sensed this in our life before in seasons where there's just a grace to pray. You, you pray every day, you know prayer is important, but there's a grace God gives you to really begin to seek his face. Are you here? And so God's future that he has for us is yes and amen. But there are those that step into this future. There are those that step into those plants and those that are not. I want to tell every single person today here, listening, and those watching, every single person, that you have a future. That you have a future from God. If, if we can go deeper, your future is in God. That no matter what you see right now happening in your life, that there is a future that God has promised you. There is a future that God wants to give you. There is a future that God has for you to walk into. If you go to Romans 15, 
verse 4. Look at verse 13. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, everybody believes here that God has a future for us, amen? And that God's future for us is, in fact, a reality that we can step into. But what I want to talk a little bit about is hope and how hope works in our life and, that, and how through hope we actually believe or confidently expect the future. Because... Um, I believe there's a little bit more than just, just, uh, just declaring the future of God or, or claiming the future that God has for us, but through hope actually believing, expecting that that reality would come to pass. Are you here? There's a difference. There's a difference between people that are just, uh, you know, wishfully thinking or in a sense, dreaming of one day things turning around and those that actually, no matter what situation they're in, believe in that future, expect that future to come. It's like Abraham when he was as good as dead. We were just praying about that. He's as good as dead. But that faith, he had hope that came from that faith that what was going to happen was going to happen. It's like Someone that really knows it's going to come to pass and someone that is wishing it's going to come to pass. It's somebody that's standing next to someone that, I, I, I think things are going to be better in a year. I think things are going to be better in the next season. And someone who knows what God has for them in the next season. Someone who's already seen what God has for them in the next season. And one of the ways that we go from actually it being a mirage and somewhere in the distance to actually seeing and beginning to walk into it is hope. Because hope is a firm confidence. It's an expectation that what God has promised, God is going to do. Now, in Romans 15, what's crazy, in Romans 15, he says that God is the source of hope. Or in NKJV, it says God, the God of hope. Can you believe that our God is the God of hope? That he doesn't, he doesn't just give us hope. He is the God of hope. He, we, don't just, we don't just receive some kind of hope from him. He is the very source of hope. But if we go a little bit back in Romans 15, look what it says. Look what it says in verse 4. Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. This is NLT. And the scriptures give us hope. And encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. Now, I, I just have to throw this in there. I know it's a little bit off topic, but I have to throw this in there. That God's word is much older than you are. 
Someone's like, really? Yeah, really, you ain't that old. Shake off that dust. God's word is older than you are. That's just to make sure I'm preaching to the right church. God's word is older than you are. Where am I going with this? Why am I even throwing this in there? God's word, in fact, is older than any person. The scriptures from long ago, those scriptures give us hope because they are promises of the things that will come to pass. So my hope is not just imaginary. My hope is not just me daydreaming. My hope comes from the scripture. And the scripture is from long ago. Now why this is important is because long before you had any issues and problems and you came here, God's word was already spoken over your life. Long before you ran into dead ends and issues and struggles, God's word was already spoken over your life. Now the crazy thing is that John has this revelation when he's writing his letter. He says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was, the word has been from the beginning. In fact, before anything has come to pass, God has spoke forth his word. Now somebody, somebody just grab onto your seat. God's word is eternal. God's word was made flesh through Christ when he came on earth. The word became Somebody preach with me. The word became, the word has always been. And look, I'm not taking from a source that is now speaking into my situation because of what I've been going through. I'm grabbing a hold of the word which has been eternal and independent of what I'm going through. That word is able to get me through. It's like this. Just, you know, when you run into an issue and then your, your friend gives you advice because now you're in an issue. You know, like, you get a ticket for speeding and your friend's like, homie, stop speeding. God, who gave me such a smart friend? Thank you for that advice. And dependent upon what we're going through, we give one another advice. Are you here? We, it's rare that we speak into each other's lives. We should be doing this. We speak into each other's lives, and I've had this happen before. And something spoken into your life, and then it's like a warning to things that might be coming your way. Are you here? But often we as humans, we see issues in one another's lives or something that happens in someone's life, and then we're like, hey, you should do this, or you should change that, or you should do that. And it almost seems as if, like the devil's just doing whatever he wants in our life, and then we're just being comforted with good advice. But I want to tell you that before the devil and before anything that he began to wickedly plan in your life, there was God and God was in the beginning, and that his word was in the beginning, and that word was spoken in the beginning, and God was good from the beginning, and God's words always existed from the beginning, and his promises have always been over your life in the beginning. Before you did or changed anything, God's word had been spoken, and God has always been good, and God has always been faithful, and before you came to know him, he already was, and God has always been there watching over you. God has always been there protecting you, and he didn't exist just because he wants to help fix your problems. He's always been and his word is much higher than your problems and it's much higher than the devil's plans and it, sometimes it seems like the devil is doing stuff and God's running around trying to fix it but I want to tell somebody this morning that the devil is trying to figure out what God is trying to do in your life and he's attacking your life because God's word, is, God's word has been spoken over your life. 
We give the devil too much credit, and I'm here to wake somebody up that you are not in the dead end, but God's about to open that dead end into a door that where you think you're stuck, only God is able to pull you out, and what you think is about to kill you, God is going to turn it around for your good. Since when is the devil in the fullness of knowledge in your life? He knows less than you do because we have his word that's been revealed to us. He quotes scripture to Jesus, but he does not know the revelation of that scripture because he's been damned away from God. So the word of God that's revealed to me, it can show me things of my future that even the devil does not know. If the devil had known about Moses, he would have killed him in Pharaoh's house. But he was killing everybody, but he missed him. Because he does not know where that seed is hidden. He does not know that revelation that you received. Because the scripture was spoken from long before. And when you get into the scripture, it's spoken to you in the context of the time that you're living in. And that eternal word is able to do an eternal work inside of you right there where you are. It ain't a good book. It ain't... It ain't the 10 steps of being successful or how to change your, how to make, how to better your life, how to, how to do better business. All those things are there, but that word has been spoken to you that what God had spoken from the beginning would be fulfilled through and in your life. Therefore, you have a future. But see, that future I tap into, that future I begin to really believe according to his scripture. I thank God for prophets, I thank God for encouragement, it's a gift. But when his word I receive, when the scripture begins to be revealed to me for my life, for the things God wants to do, for the things God is doing in me, there is nothing that can shake his word. There is nothing that can change his word. There is, he, he doesn't speak a word and then go back on that word. The Bible says when his word goes out to you, it will not return void, which means it will stay there finishing the work that it was sent to do and then bringing you into that place of what only the word of God can bring you into. Sometimes we think it's our wisdom and our leadership and how much we've been in church that brings us into the plans of God. But I want to say even, even, even how much we see God blessing our youth and the amounts of people that come, it's not because we preach good. It's not because we know how to gather young people. There's a word that was spoken over this house. There was something that was released over this house. And therefore, that word begins to work and we ride the wave. It's not us. It's his word. And when he speaks that word, ain't nobody going to stop that word. When he speaks that word, he's going to continue to reach young people. When he speaks that word, he's going to reach the young people in this city. When he speaks the word, we will see them in stadiums gather to worship God. When he speaks the word, we will see buses traveling with our worship team. He speaks the word and we believe that word and the word begins to take us to the place. I feel like preaching this morning because I'm tired of us believing the nonsense of the devil in our life. And every time we run into a problem or issue, we think it's over. Did God say it's over? Did God give you a word? Listen, if you're afraid, you need to receive a word from God. If you're not sure about the future, God has a word for you to receive. There is something we begin to step into in a new realm of authority when we understand what he's speaking to us. We begin to believe what he's speaking to us. From what we believe, there is hope because what he's speaking is a promise. 
And that promise is speaking of a future. I'm not just thinking or hoping something's going to turn around. I believe. I have expectation. I am waiting. And it's only a matter of hours or days that I'm going to see it come to pass. Scripture gives us hope. Scripture gives us hope because his scriptures that give us hope are promises. And when God promises, it's yes and amen. When God speaks his word, it's yes and amen. It's a promise that I hold on to. You know, fathers, when your kids use this against you, you told me that you were going to do that. You promised me that you would do that. And I, I don't mean to call anybody names Sunday morning right here, but God calls you a sinful parent and he calls himself a good father. And he says, if you sinful parents know how to give good gifts, then me, how about me, a father, faithful, actually good, gives good gifts to my children, promises things, it does not go back on his word, speak things into your life, and I'm the one that fulfills what I spoke. He is not, he's not someone that just says things or empty promises or a, a hoping of our life turning around. What he speaks comes to pass because the word that he speaks, he puts above his name, which means he's not going to go back on it and he's faithful to fulfill it. He is able to speak the word and then finish the word in us. And everybody said. Amen. And the promises that we begin to hold on to, they speak of our future. Now, in Matthew, if I could have our worship team come back, come back up with me. Matthew. Matthew 26. Matthew 26, Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. I want to read this, read these few paragraphs, and then we're going to pray. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And then he came to the disciples, 
and found them sleeping and said to Peter, what could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time, he went and prayed, saying, oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Now we can take all of Jesus' life and the things we're talking about, we actually see him do, but this, for me, this, this moment in his life speaks volumes to me about the power of scripture, the power of hope, the power of prayer, the power of stepping in to the future that God has. Now, we talked about Jesus being the Word, and that the Word became flesh. He is the very Word of God. Now I want you to think about this. He takes a few young men and he goes into a deep place of prayer. When he gets there, he wants them to stay in this place and he goes a little farther and he falls on his face, the Bible says, and he is in great sorrow and he begins to pray there. And he comes back to the place that he left his disciples and he finds them sleeping and he wakes them up and asks them, can you please just pray? And I want you to watch something. Can you please just be up for an hour and pray? He goes back to the place of prayer where he's a little bit farther away. And he continues to pray. And the Bible says every time he goes here, he is praying the same thing. And that is for the will of God to be fulfilled in his life. Are you here? Now, God speaks his word and his word comes to fulfillment, but it's interesting that somewhere in the foundation of how God works and how God has set up our life in this world and the principles of this world and the spiritual laws of this world, that for some reason it was important when Jesus was here praying that his disciples would also be praying. And I begin to think, if could not Jesus just fulfill what he had to fulfill and go to the cross and die and everything's done and finished for some reason in all of these, in, in, in the work of God to save man, man is so intrinsically involved in what's happening and Peter and the two others had to pray while he was there praying, agreeing to the will of God. Are you seeing this? He's not there on his own trying to get into, or to fulfill the will of God in the future that God had for us. He's involving us in his future. Uh, it's interesting, uh, the Israel did not walk into Jericho until there was a man that could lead him there. 
Jesus didn't appear and say, follow me now into the promised land. He raised Joshua under Moses and Joshua said, this land God promised to us. Remember, the scriptures that were spoken, he said, God promised to us this land. And the Bible says he began to expect that this land God would give him. So in other words, God raised him up and through him brought his people into the promised land. God now through Jesus is there in the garden praying and beside him are young men who he's waking up saying, pray with me. Pray with me. We will not see the things that have been spoken over this house, the things that have been spoken over your life if we do not get on our knees in prayer. Because to watch, to begin to see what God was promising to do, he needs to take you through a season of preparing you. That's why the Bible says, run to the scriptures, they'll give you hope. But watch this, the scriptures that give us hope, then the Bible says, you must be patient for those scriptures and the promises to begin to come to pass. And I have found in my life and I have seen in others, if I'm not in an attitude of prayer and a spirit of prayer, the things God has promised and I don't see them come to pass and I stop patiently waiting, I begin to say things against God. Patience before God in His presence prepares us for the promise that He has for us. And prayer equips us to walk in to possess the future that he has spoken over our life. Jesus is praying. He is praying. And in the place of prayer, he comes in agreement with God's future. Now you think you messed your life up. You think that you can't turn your life around. I want to tell you what happened in this moment. The Bible says that his time had come to be given into the hands of sinners. In other words, the future that you were supposed to have, he took on your behalf. He was handed over, betrayed into the hands of sinners. To be spit on, to be mocked, to be trialed four times, to be standing before Pilate, to be standing before the Jews, to be oppressed by his own people. He came to his own people, but his own people did not receive him. And he was given into the hands of sinners. You see, God's future was hidden in Christ Jesus for you and for me. We get hope from the scriptures. The scriptures are Jesus. It's not just more revelation to oppress my neighbor. I come to know through his scriptures who he is. His scriptures reveal him to me. His scriptures show himself to me. The word of God is so important for us because we come to know God through it. We begin to put a face on Jesus through his word. We understand his character. We understand his love. We understand his endurance. We understand his compassion. We understand his faithfulness. We come to know him personally through his very scripture that he's left for us. And I come to know him personally and he begins to put hope in my heart. I believe, I believe in the things that I receive in the word of God because I receive them from him. You see, there's a face now on this book. I'm not trusting in words on pages. I'm trusting a man that's given me a promise. 
It's the living word. And I begin to trust the man, Jesus, who has spoken his word into my life. And it gives me great assurance because he took my place that I could now step in to what he promised me to have. Betrayed into the hands of sinners that I would be granted access into the hands of God. God's protection, God's mercy and grace, God's love poured out on me because of Jesus. He is the reason that I have a future. In fact, I'll tell you, you have no future outside of him. If we have not learned, we need to learn that our businesses, our families, our homes, our finances, our plans, our dreams, they all fall short of the things that God has because of everything that God has spoken over our life and the promises that God offers us, they are yes and amen. Not because you're here, they're yes and amen. Not because you've been saved for 10 years, they are yes and amen because of Christ Jesus. You're looking at someone that looks holier or better or stronger or more spiritual than you, but the promises of God are yes and amen over your life just as much as they are over your neighbor. They are yes and amen over somebody right now in the back row just as much as someone in the front row. They are yes and amen over someone that just got set free from addiction just as much as over the pastor of this house. They are yes and amen for every person that has called on the name of Jesus. And no matter what your past looks like, God offers you a future and that future is hidden in His Son because there was a great exchange. He took what you were supposed to receive and gave you what you did not deserve. And now you can see, see the goodness of God in your life, see the promises of God in your life, see what He's able to do throughout life. Stand with me this morning. If you need a future this morning, if where you are right now, you understand you should not be there, if you have been deceived, if you have been lied to, if you have believed the thoughts that you are stuck where you are, God has promised you a future, and that future is Christ Jesus. That future is Christ Jesus. One of the things that we practice here in our church is we invite people to the altar. It's this front area here. And we, we invite them here, not to bring them on stage and show them in front of everybody else. We, bring, we invite them here as an invitation to present your life before God, that we could minister to you. It's not a religious, religious ceremony here. It's, it's just you coming before God and acknowledging God where I'm at. I don't wanna stay there, I come to you. One person, if there's one person who's here who has been deceived and lied to and you're in a place where you don't believe anymore the future God has for you, I'm here to tell you this morning, it's not my news, it's God's news for you that he has a future and a hope for you, that your despair, your hopelessness, your lack of faith, your lack of, your lack of expectation from God that God, can do it, that God can't do anything good over your life, that's a lie from the devil. God has plans for you 
and those plans are good. His thoughts of you are good, not because of your earning, but because of the price that's been paid for your life. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit here. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you right now for what you're doing. Holy Spirit, I thank you for what you're doing. Drawing men unto yourself. Drawing men unto yourself. Your goodness, your goodness leads us to repentance. I thank you for what you're doing, God. That you are the God who continues to save, continues to restore, continues to renew, continues to raise up. We thank you, Father, for what you're doing in this moment. We thank you for hope restored. We thank you for the future that you have promised. We thank you, God, that every promise in you is yes and amen. Don't look to your neighbor. Don't look to yourself as being someone better than someone that's standing next to you. There's something about being desperate for God and saying, God, the future that you have, I want to step into. The plans that you have spoken over my life, I want to see them come to pass. The things I receive from you, they're not happening yet, but I believe they're going to happen. If you're waiting, if you're waiting, I want you to come forward and say, God, I believe, I believe in your promises. I believe in your word. I believe that what you have spoken, you are able to fulfill in Jesus' mighty name.